Welcome to Fiction Authors Talk Books or Fat Books Podcast. This episode, I'm talking with the amazing Shiloh Walker about reviews and conventions with some advice from seasoned authors sprinkled in. I named this podcast Fiction Authors Talk Books because I wanted to incorporate all aspects of being a fiction author in the discussions. Being an author is a stressful job with high expectations from both ourselves and our fans, so this will always be a chill conversation that probably goes off topic most times, but we'll have some fun. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to see your favorite author on here, send them this link and they can get in touch with us at fatpookspodcast at gmail. We take all authors who write fiction and have been published as long as they're polite. Thanks for joining and on to the podcast. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. This is my first podcast, so I will let you steer the boat. All right. So then we'll just jump in. First of all, are you a happily ever after kind of author? Oh, yes. Yeah. And when I write my romances, they always have to have a happy ever after. Now, I have um, an urban fantasy series under my J.C. Daniels name. And even though those have a romance running through them, they don't. Each book does not end with a happy ever after. I mean, for one, it's still an ongoing story, but it's also not a romance. That's why I put a different name on it. Right. And those I got gotcha. you. I mean, they, the expectations are different with that story. But when it oh, comes for to sure. romance, I'm one of those authors and I'm one of those readers. It's like, stay away from the HEA. You, if you don't give me that happy ever after when I'm reading you, I will never read you again. Well, most of my series are all ongoing. So I don't have a happy ever after for like each couple anymore. Mine are more like just the series keep going. However, comma, Like, yeah, it's normally one character with like a few guys or whatever, but there's romance elements, but I have, it's technically more murder mystery than anything. And she works with FBI, but like, I'm big on just not even just happily ever afters on the ending, but like the good guys win in the end. Like I need that in my fiction. I need that as the author. So like they always catch the bad guy. Like, yeah, some people have died, but it's not like the main character Or, you know, one of her real love interests kind of thing. Like, I hate that stuff. There's enough crap in real life. If I'm taking the time and effort, yeah, I want to see some happiness more than in my life. You know, some of the uh, psychological thrillers, eh, I I don't know. Sometimes I just think it's like the story didn't know how to finish itself. So they just turn it around and it's like, woohoo, we were being cool the whole time. And it's like... I think it's harder in the world we live in currently to actually sell a believable happy ever after sometimes because it's the world is rough right now. A lot of people, they kind of they're like, how is anybody happy in this day and age? And I mean, well, you can be. I mean, I'm happily married. Not that we haven't had our problems. God knows we have. We've been together for years. Right. You can still find happiness in this world. You can still find hope. And that's one of the things I like to write about and one of the things I like to give readers and everything. And I, I know that's not something everybody looks for, but I'm like, if I'm going to be sitting down to read, why in the world do I want to read about everything that's going on out in the world? Why would I want to find that in my fiction, which is what I do to escape? Yeah. Like I've gotten lots of comments of like, do you just get off on terrorizing and tripping up your characters? But it's like, that's just life. I mean, we all have loss. We all have hardships. We've all had some type of bullying and abuse. Be a normal person, whether werewolf or human. I I think that's just part of it to appreciate when it when you get your any glimmer of happiness. But yeah, I'm I'm totally with you that it's a lot to take in and just you know you you can't get away with the romances anymore where it's like you know the main character is just 
skirts through everything because she's pretty and has big boobs. Like, that doesn't work anymore. And I'm glad. Like, I'm really glad romances have generally pulled away from there. No, well, it's been quite a while before. Um, I mean, you still find those on Harlequins and stuff. And Harlequins suit their purpose, especially if that's your thing. And if you just want to something. Disconnect. Easy, and Oh, for sure. I'm, and I'm talking more than. Yeah. And I've no, no shade on Harlequin like that. There are times that I'm just like, I just want it to be easy. I don't want to think. Yeah. I just want to just dive in. I totally get that. But that used to be more mainstream. Romance has grown a lot since I came on the scene. I mean, just oh, in the, sure. And I've been doing it, geez, almost 20 years now. That's oh, you got more years than me. But I was even just <laughs> thinking cause when I was reading when I was, you know, a baby and even how far like Nora Roberts books have changed. Yeah. I used to read Nora Roberts books with my grandma when I was in high school. And we would give them, I would go to the library, we'd give them back and forth. And she'd just always be like, there's, there's a little, there's a little, there's some parts in there that you need to skip. And she would flag like the dirty parts for me to skip. But even like those kind of mainstream books, it's good. I think we've made progress and it's not so much yeah. like, because I remember being on the L, which is the subway in Chicago, and somebody like having a book cover on a Nora Roberts book because she was... I don't know if she didn't want flack of reading romance on the train or something. Now it's not that big of a deal. It's just like, this is what we all do. We all like it. Who cares if, you know, the guys laugh at us sometimes. It's just nice. Like, you know. Yeah. The genre has come a long way. And I think readers are getting more comfortable about just being comfortable with reading it. And I mean, why not? It's about love. It's about relationships. And it's about sex. And most people are, if they're honest with themselves, those are things most people want in their life. Oh, um, sure. And maybe not that sex, because there are plenty of people out there who are ace and they're just not into that sexual part. But there are a lot of people out there, they still want the romance part. They still want the love part. They want the connection part. Yeah. And Or even some of the exciting parts in a romance now where it's not yeah. just all romance. But yeah, you've got paranormal vampires yeah. kicking butt and all that kind of stuff, which I like the combinations. I like that it's branched so out there, into not everybody so in their own genres. Right. And I have a series that actually somebody was joking around about something. It was in a author chat on Facebook. This is a while ago. And somebody was saying, oh, yeah, I, I really like how you combine this, this and this in your books for different genres. And a different author jumped in like, you can't put those three together. That wouldn't really work. And I got snippy because that's my default setting as a Chicagoan. I got snippy and was like, well, I've made it work. And, you know, hey, why not throw in a few more? And then I kind of got to thinking about it. So that's how I have a series that is zombies, apocalyptic, vampires, monarchy. Like there's like six, seven different genres in that one book. And it does kind of clash at times. And it's kind of almost 80s horror film cringe where it's not really that scary. But I think that's the fun of it. I think just kind of going, okay, now what if you did this, this and this? And completely flipped it on its head. I think that's kind of the whole point of being an author is to make people to push those lines and limits of what they think of romance or this and this is, you know. You know, when it comes to world building, and that's basically what you're doing with everything, when you mash different genres and stuff together, when it comes to world building, what you got to do, create your world, understand what your rules are, even if nobody else does, stick to them. 
and make sure you understand why they exist and what they're there for. And you can make it work. Exactly. Yeah. And honestly, you can make it work. I want to understand the medicine and the biology behind things. It comes mm -hmm. from my years in nursing and everything. If I don't understand the medical reasons behind why somebody might be a werewolf, it's usually with mine, it's not going to be magic or a curse. It's going to be something like a virus. Right. Or something genetically created. So I need to understand the why and the wherefore and the hows while I'm creating my world. And as long as I understand those and I stick to those, whatever yeah. I'm adding to the world, you can make things work. Nobody can tell you. They don't have to understand how you're doing it. As long as you understand it, you can bring that to the reader while you're writing it so they can understand it. So nobody can tell you it will or it won't work. Right. No, I totally agree. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have a couple different books or series where the answer is there is no answer. And I think as long as you explain certain things as the author, like not to get political and we don't want that here, but look how many different answers people have for the same topic of what happened as the events. And I think like, for instance, the apocalypse one, like the answer will be nobody has the freaking answer. The main character says at one point, I've asked seven people and I got 11 different answers as to what happened and what started this all. I mean, even hurricanes that have happened and people are like, oh, no, it hit here and here first. And then like two days later, they're like, no, and we had this many deaths. Like you never get the same answers for stuff. And I think if it's like a global calamity kind of thing, you're not going to get the same answers. But as long as you explain that as the author, like she wasn't in the government, she didn't do any of this stuff. I don't know, but that's how I see it. And I've explained that as that's kind of my view. And as, as long as there's a rational reason, like global calamity, that makes right. sense. Right. I mean, that, that's not going to make sense necessarily in a small town setting. Like say there was a fire in a barn and all of a sudden the entire world's in a, an apocalypse. That yeah. wouldn't make sense. But in the situation and the parameters that you've given, it makes sense. It works. Right. So, I mean, again, it's creating your world, creating your rules, knowing why those rules are there. Sticking to them. Sticking to them. That's how you make it work. That's how you sell it to readers and get them to understand it and believe it. I mean, that's, if you don't understand it, if you don't believe it, if it doesn't work for you, if you can't sell it to yourself, how are you going to sell it to anybody else? Exactly. How are you going to make them invested in the characters in the world if you don't know what's going on? And I've not even to pick on other authors because it's not easy and we all mess up. But like, I've read certain books where I'm like, it's book eight and I just want to go, have you read the first three books of your own series? <laughs> like, did you take any notes, maybe reread them? So as much as people give me, like, I've had some, not a lot, but I've had some people be like, that's overkill that you reread every book before you write the next one in the series. Well, it's getting harder now that some of my series are full novels, book 17, or I'm working on 18 and I had to read all 17 again. But to me, if you switch between series or you don't do just like a trilogy all at once, you have to reimmerse yourself or how are you going to expect a reader to want to be immersed in that world? Because like, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I, I skim, I skim, especially if it's been a while. Right. Yeah. Like I skip over most of the sex scenes because I wrote them. I literally know what happens. But like, yeah, the, the, the conflicts and that kind of detailed stuff. Um, but now I, I'm kind of thinking I'm switching to like. I read the last two books before starting 18. And then now while I'm writing 18, I'm going back and rereading one through 15, given at night kind of thing. Yeah. To get my mind back in it, make sure I've, because I, I mean, I have like a running list of like open 
plot lines in any series. I have tons of different notes, but just you always miss one. There's always something that you wanted to revisit. And I think that's important because yeah. the worst, the worst criticism I could ever have somebody say about one of my series is, have you read the first books of your series? Cause this done track. And it'd be like, Oh, Oh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I understand. there's so much research that I think that good authors, I was living in Wyoming for a while, years and years ago. And I was reading a book and the author was like, yeah, it took like two hours to fly to Casper's International Airport. I'm like, one, Casper, Wyoming ain't got a freaking international airport. So maybe pull up Google on the city you're writing about. And two, there's no way you're flying from New York to Casper, Wyoming in two freaking hours. Are you, <laughs> is that a jet, a military jet? Maybe like stuff like that is just uh, like, in, right? Is embarrassing for all of us as authors. Like, oh, I'm thinking it's like 90 minutes, I think, from New York to or close. To, it's 90 minutes from where I am up to like Chicago or two out. No, that's just not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even if by the Maybe time Captain you... Marvel was flying them. Yeah, right. Maverick, uh, the new Maverick movie was was the jet. But yeah, I don't even I don't even know what the flight time from Boston to I, I think I flew when I was in Colorado. So I flew out of Denver and I flew to Boston when my sister got married. And I think that flight was four and a half, five hours. So that's a comparable from like kind of New York to Wyoming, east to west yeah. wise, at least. Maybe I mean, more it's north like, south. It's, it's more than half the country. Yeah. And Way she's like, oh, yeah, it was the flight was under two hours. Like, no shade if she wants to make that flight. And like maybe she got like a new private jet kind of supersonic Coolio thing. But like you've got to explain that. You can't. That's lazy writing and makes us all look bad if you don't at least look that up. Yeah. And what's the point? And you don't even have to be specific about the time of flight. Right. Like, why put it in if you're going to put it, it in? A few hours. <laughs> it was a few hours. I mean, some of the best advice I ever got, it was when I was working on one of my books. I had a couple of military characters. And I'm comfortable writing some things with military in them just because of acquaintances I have and stuff. And they're willing to talk to me and give me some information. But um, one of the pieces of advice somebody had given me when I was working on the book, she was like, people don't want to know how the clock works. They just want to know that it works. So you right. go with broad strokes. Right. When or, you break things down to the nitty gritty, that's where you screw up. Like exactly. two hours to fly to from New York City to Wyoming. Exactly. That's, that was a nitty gritty detail. She had just said a few hours. Nobody would think twice. Right. No, oh. I completely agree. Or sometimes, like I was saying earlier, sometimes the answer is you don't have the answer. Even if you're in the military, you don't know all the other aspects about different divisions or groups or, you know, branches. You don't know all that stuff. So the character went either. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to gloss it over. But sometimes it is, like you were saying earlier, about getting into the nitty gritty. With my murder mystery, they were dying in Lake Michigan. And so they were bodies waterlogged and everything so i actually got in contact with a medical yeah. examiner in the uk that specialized on like water body retrieval and how to autopsy that and i'm not kidding you i could not eat for like two days after talking with them yeah it was fascinating and i yeah i'm normally fine about stuff that was super gross but it was it was completely fascinating and I liked getting those kind of nitty gritty details yep. and working it in. Disgusting topic, but those kind of discussions can bring a whole lot of realism to your work. Oh, for sure. But it doesn't have to be everything, you know, no. 
And I think it's important that you kind of just handle what you can handle. When I was a newer author, a lot of times I took on like too much and then it got complicated and then you can't necessarily always walk it back. But like you were saying, just get the basics down and every book you're adding a layer, you're adding a new facet to what you've already built. Right. It's those broad strokes and then you fill in details as you go bit by bit by bit. But it's the right kind of details that you add in. You don't want to start out to trying to make a Picasso and then you turn it into a kindergarten. Paint by numbers. Yeah. Paint by numbers because you went a little overboard. Right. It's also funny because like you were saying about the world building. In one of my series super early, I mentioned and there was an interaction with demons. And I kind of had only brushed up against it like a couple times, but I haven't gotten there. I've gotten a lot of feedback, like she forgot about the demons. And I've flat out said, no, I didn't. But I've seen authors be criticized because like towards the end or the completion of the series, they like all of a sudden demons were real and they're like, oh, they ran out of topics. And so I wanted to like counter that criticism by bringing them in early and we're going to get to them later, but they're there in the world. So don't accuse me of lazy writing later. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've got to sidestep a lot of that stuff as an author. It's really hard. I try not to worry about the criticism other authors get. If I do that, I'll get so neurotic because I've got... Oh, for sure. I just do it and go. And if it feels right, it feels right. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I see where you're coming from, you know? The easier stuff where you just throw it in earlier and get to it later. Like, it kind of drives me nuts when other authors are like, I read every review and I take it to heart and I, I fix it for... I work on it to the next book. And it's like, no, you don't. Don't, don't lie to people. <laughs> no, you do not. Because you can't. I get. No. I could get 10 reviews and five say they don't like how much sex there is. And the other five will say they want more sex. You cannot do that to both parties. And I'm not no. even picking on fans and reviewers. We all have our different opinions. That's what makes it fun. But like, don't please tell everybody. them. Exactly. Hell, you can't even please anybody sometimes but you do your best everybody right when it comes to reviews and everything one thing authors don't seem to understand not all authors it's authors who freak out about reviews every single one of them have read or seen or consumed something they did not like and they've talked about it they've shared it with somebody and when they get offended that a reader didn't like their book they are doing exactly what somebody else They're hypocrite yeah it's hypocritical i mean unless they have loved every single thing they have ever consumed or they've been quiet about everything they didn't love they have no right to criticize somebody else for their opinion because that's what it is it is that one person's opinion and they are entitled to it it doesn't matter what they say it doesn't matter how much they hated that book as long as the focus is on the book and not a personal attack on the person where they're threatening them or something because they hated the book yeah they can hate that book they can be as vitriolic about it as they want they are entitled to their opinion on that book it may hurt and if it does stop reading your reviews well i've had to do that because yeah people aren't necessarily fair but like i get what you're saying if they don't like the book that's fair yeah if you don't like my books i understand Quit, quit reading them and go find an author that makes you happy but there are a lot of reviews that they thrive on hating the books so like i have a series that the same person has read all 17 books and tears into them 
here's my response on that. Nora Roberts has had somebody attend one of her book signings, and a Nora Roberts book signing is a zoo. I've been invited to a couple of them before, so when I say it's a zoo, I, believe I mean you. it's a zoo. You have to get tickets, you wait in line, it's hours-long events and everything. Oh, wow. And we were talking at one point, and she said she had had a reader come up to her and say, I've read every single one of your books, and I've hated all of them. That's a lot of commitment. It, I mean, and it may not have been every single one. I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. So don't push yeah, oh, sure. hard or anything, but there's yeah. a thin line between love and hate. So if somebody's going to invest that much time and yeah. money. That's true. Like a guilty pleasure yeah. by then or something yeah. that they don't want to like have, it, but they keep coming back. Right. Let them have no. it. It's a bizarre, weird obsession, but those kind of obsessions, they attract attention. And I can guarantee whoever this person is that's hated every single one of your books, people have picked up books because of those reviews. I can guarantee it. I mean, that's just that's, the nature of the beat. That is a very adult perspective of it. And sometimes I'm kind of childish in that. Again, if they didn't like it, that's fine. But you can do it respectfully. Like, I don't come into their work and just berate them. Yeah. That's well, kind of my line. I had somebody that, you know, gave like a one-star review and it was probably like a full printed page rant of a review. And the whole time she's like, the rape in here, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, what book did you read? There was no rape. Like, don't accuse me of stuff that isn't even in book. So like that kind of stuff is, is yeah. gets under my skin and that's why I'm not allowed to read my reviews. This is how I know that the negative reviews, like the 17-page, the 17-book rant type, make readers buy books. I've bought books based on those kind of reviews. Oh, get and out. I'm not the only person like me. Oh, no, so for sure I you're know not. It happens. I mean, yeah, I've totally bought books because of that. And I mean, I've had reviewers um, leave posts. Well, the story was good, but there was so much sex. In romance, something like that's almost like a one-click That's like a call. seal of approval. They're, yeah. they're like, oh, don't. Click, click, click. They can be hard to read and everything, but you just got to remember to disconnect from them. And, yeah, um, those kind of reviews I'm fine with. Even if they're, like, I had a review recently that was like, she's so immature. I'm tired of her being like, or I, I hate characters like this. And she wasn't wrong for that part of the, the, uh, the criticism, but it's kind of like, and so I don't get offended on that kind of stuff because it's like, well, yeah, she's supposed to grow. How do I have her grow if she starts perfect? So, like, again, right. those kind of reviews, that kind of stuff doesn't bug me. But it's, like, some of the other. Yeah, like, or, like, I've gotten a lot of stuff about, like, um, oh, that's not how you respond to PTSD situations. And it's, like, that's the whole point. Not everybody. Like, so those are the ones that I'm, like, grr. But I'm not, again, I'm not mad as long as it's not like flat out lies, like, oh, she's glorifying rape or the, the rape in the book. I'm like, there was no rape. What are you talking about? But yeah, otherwise, I well, I understand not everybody's going to yeah. like what you put out. You got to consider um, some people's filter, especially, and we don't know what their particular traumas are. If there's exactly. something, right. That's one thing you've also got to consider since we don't know people's backgrounds and everything. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but the best thing to do is just consider that they've got a filter that we don't know about. So something that they read, they're going to be seeing it through that filter. And the best we can do is just disconnect and let it go. I mean, it yeah. sucks, but stewing over it doesn't do you any good and it doesn't fix anything. No, and for sure. And, and that's, that is a really good point about that she saw it something else to, I didn't consider that. I just, 
I, I kind of, because I had a lot of that, especially early in my career, where other authors would just write crap reviews to kind of try and tank the newbie or, yeah. you know, didn't like something I said. So then they, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I just I mean, kind of always, that's a good point though, about like her seeing it through a different lens. I kind of just assume it was somebody trolling me and being a jerk. But, yeah. And keep in mind, I've been doing this a long time and I'm speaking from some experience that I've I've had with reviews and everything, but I'm also speaking just from like people that I've been around and discussions I've had. We all bring our own filters into things that we watch, things that we read, things that we consume, discussions we have. Oh, and for without sure. knowing another person's experiences, we can't really understand all that's going into it. So Oh, for sure. I mean, in any situation, there's your version, my version, and then the actual truth. Right. It's just how we see the world and what things you know, influence us. And the last editor I worked with, she would always be like, you don't know who cut them off in traffic. You don't know who, who hit them with a grocery cart in the store. And then they read your book through not having a good day lenses. Uh, like, so yeah, all of that is completely fair. For my anxieties, it's better if, because I, like one of my last oh, yeah. books, I think I had a thousand reviews all of them three stars and above and one one star review that is immediately the one I clicked on and that was the <laughs> only one I read so it's just better for everyone in my world if I don't look I appreciate them I thank my fans all the time for leaving reviews I yeah I, trust me I understand it's easier for me to disconnect and be professional when it comes to things online now me in real life yeah like if somebody ticks me off in traffic or if they get in my face in a store or if they say something to one of my kids, anything like that, it's like, buddy, you're taking your life into your own hands. It's different in real life. But when it comes to things online and everything, and a lot of it happens just because I have to type it out. And right. I look back and I'm like, do I really want to say that? Oh, and yeah. I've, I've done that a and few times. When, yeah. When so, you're a newbie, uh, we all fall into that trap when we're a newbie, like trying to defend ourselves. Yeah. And when it comes to your books and everything, if you've done the best that you can with the book, then there's nothing to defend. It stands on its own. In fact, you've got people reading it. You've got people loving it. More than love it and want more than those who hate it. That's enough of the defense as it is. You will never please everybody. Yeah. But as long as more people love it than hate it, then you're okay. Now, if it gets to, if there's somebody out there that more people hate it than love it, then maybe you should see what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the, the general consensus is it's happy, happy. I actually started a Discord server recently. And if people say something, I don't argue with it as long as it's, you know, respectful and quote unquote, my house of the Discord. But I've had a lot of people that I've just one on one responded to, like not defending, but explaining like, well, you know, she grew up this way. And it, it's, it's kind of a hard page to turn it like, so not like I'm not defending them or getting defensive. I think it's kind of, if I was the reader, I would think that's kind of cool that the author just was like, hey, you know what? Here's a little bit more background. Like get into her head. Let's take a minute. And it's so uh, people have responded to that. I think it's kind of fun. Just like every so often I go in there, pick out a comment or um, something and like, you know, I always saw it like, bah, 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 bah. so yeah, like that kind of stuff I love. I could do that all day long. I mean, hi, oh, I love readers that. love getting inside the head. Those looks behind the curtain and stuff. They love those for sure. I wanted to ask you went to one Nora Roberts signing. Have you been to any other? No, I've been. To, Nora's had me at her store. Well, I, the first time I went out there, I was invited to speak at the Washington Area Romance Writers event, and their signing was hosted by her store. So she was at that one. I think I've been to 
three signings there and then a girls oh, night nice. out there possibly four. Oh, fun three or four i can't remember the exact number it's fun her assistant laura she teases me on it but the first time especially i was so intimidated i didn't even i mean i couldn't even speak and then she she complimented me on a necklace that i was wearing and i was like and, and the funny thing was the necklace was my mom's i needed something to wear with the dress and um I'm more into darker stuff, not quite goth, but just almost that sort of vibe. And I yeah. wanted something a little bit, not quite dressy, but um, more mainstream. And right. so I saw that necklace on my mom's. And so I called her colors. that night. Yeah. And I was like, hey, mom, I'm keeping your necklace. And she's like, what? And she's like, Nora Roberts liked your necklace. And she complimented it. And so it's mine now. It's it's my good luck token. Um, You can't have it back. And I'm telling everybody that she liked it. And you're... You might as well just give it to me because I'm stealing it. And she just laughed. <laughs> I've got a blog on it and everything. But uh, yeah, it's my Nora Roberts necklace. I mean, I can literally see it hanging on my, um, I've got a jewelry rack hanging in my bathroom by the mirror where all my necklaces are. And I can see it right now just looking at it. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's my Nora Roberts necklace. And my oh, mom just it. laughed at me and she was like, okay, you can have it. I guess I'll let you have it. <laughs> I actually have the pen somewhere i have it like wrapped and saved away but i have the pen that i gave Anne rice to use to sign one of the books when i met her she was the headliner at a conference i was at as the author so they were actually she came a little bit early and was actually really super nice and so the authors could all get signatures from, like autographs from her before we had to deal with our own fans deal with that's not mean but you know what i mean so yeah she was super nice and i actually it was in chicago i brought my 90 year old grandma 80 something year old grandma with me and just to kind of see she was coming for the event with my mom and so she got to meet ann rice and she was like oh so you work with aaron and i'm like oh dear god she just said that to ann rice like we're colleagues sitting at the same cubicle area and ann rice and uh was super nice about it she's like yeah you know your granddaughter's in the same profession I'm just like, and Rice just called me a colleague. But yeah, she was super nice and really normal. She was there with security. And oh, J.R. Ward was there and she is a doll. She is such a sweetheart. She's honestly one of the nicest authors I've ever met. And you wouldn't think that she's some huge name. She's just, hey, what's up? And you're just like, hi. <laughs> yeah, I've met J.R. several times. She was there too with security and you're like, God, I want to be cool enough. I, I was pretty newbie then. And I just remember thinking, I want to be cool enough to need security at a signing. Like, I don't know. That just is like the line. I think that you made it not thinking about why she would need security, just more in my newbie mind. Like that's the level you want to get. to. <laughs> I don't know if I want to need security. <laughs> I've had several death threats, so honestly, I would just bring a large-looking friend that could play bodyguard at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, especially the group signings. They're just so crazy. Yeah, group signings are madness. Yeah. There was one I was planning on going on to this year that what it's their last one, and it's one that I've attended regularly, but this year it's just been... Uh, I had COVID back in 2020, and just recovering Me from too. it, has, it's been hell. This yeah. year, I'm finally starting to feel a little bit better, but I just, I didn't have it in me to try. So I'm going to miss their last one. But um, the big signings are a lot of fun, but my goodness, they can be chaos. Yeah, uh, I, I have some social anxiety, so they weren't so much fun for me. I mean, it was great to get to, to talk to some readers one-on-one, -on -one, but then there were just the people who 
didn't understand why it wasn't okay touching strangers to take pictures or, you know, stuff like that, where it's like five different people who just wanted every author to sign their books so they could sell it on eBay. And I'm like, no, move along. They're not for everybody, especially if you've got issues with social anxiety or being in public and everything. Those, they can be a problem. Sometimes starting out with smaller ones. Yeah, I was fine with like doing the lectures and talking in front of people. But it's like once it's the signing, people just touch you and take pictures and don't ask if it's okay. And that's um, that's kind yeah. of my area of like, please don't touch me. I've always been very vocal about being big on privacy and needing my space. So it's easier for me or maybe yeah. it's just part of my persona. Yeah. People won't touch me without asking. So I can circumnavigate that, but yeah. I think that, well, one, I have an excellent resting bitch face, even when I'm not trying to. Yeah, so me too. good about not invading my personal space, but I also don't come out from behind my table without somebody asking, so. Yeah, I had people and, who um, were just like moving around the table. I'm talking to somebody and somebody else just moved around the table and hugged me and I'm like, who are you and why are you touching me? Honestly, I would do more lectures if it wasn't all about recording everything in cameras because I don't show my face anymore. Not after I had a stalker thing. Like, I don't oh. show my face. I don't want pictures. I don't want any of it. So it's like. I understand that. Yeah, it sucks, um, but you, I got to do what's best to protect myself because I can't live in a small security. town and everything is part of why um, I don't do a lot of pictures and video yeah. type stuff. Um, I'm just, I'm private and I like, I want to be the one who decides where my face goes and where my face doesn't go. No, I totally agree. I want to give a big thanks to Shiloh Walker for joining me for such a fun conversation. Also, to all of our fans for checking this podcast out. I hope you liked what you heard and decide to stick around. Please make sure to subscribe to the Fat Books podcast on YouTube or Spotify or that little purple icon on your Apple device. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on who we're recording with and when episodes are coming out. There's also a Patreon if you want to support the podcast and keep it going. Now let's hear a bit about what Shiloh's working on and what to look forward to from her next. Well, my next big book coming out is the next book in my J.C. Daniel series, Blooded Blade, which is I've been keeping readers waiting on that one for like five years. So I'm excited about that. I'm starting to get some early feedback on it. And so far, it looks like it, it's going over well. I'll be honest, I'm kind of nervous about this one. My um, urban fantasy series, it's always been a little bit darker than my other books. I couldn't write it for like five years. In 2017, I lost my brother to suicide. And I went into a really bad depression afterward. Going into her head was hard. And for a while, I, I mean, for almost two years... The only kind of writing I did was freelance writing, but the depression eased up and I was able to start t writing for me again, but it took me longer to be able to step back into Kit's head. Earlier this year, the story just kind of dropped on me like a beast and I was able to tear through it once the idea started flowing easy. And um, I thought it was going to be the last book in the series, which did not please my readers, but I, there's going to be one more after it. And I'm really excited about it. Again, that one's called Blooded Blade. Other than that one, it's called a Dragon's Desire. It's a paranormal series. It's the second in the series. It's sort of not quite post-apocalyptic, but it's an alternate type of world from Mars. Shapeshifters exist. They exist. And there was a war. It lasted for 10 years. It decimated the world. I mean, millions upon millions died. And it happened because of 
group of humans decided they did not want to live with people who weren't human. So bigotry and prejudice played a lot into it. The paranormal, they're called preterns. The preterns, they refer to the war as the slaughters. The entire war started because a homegrown militia down, I think it was Mississippi, they went and they slaughtered an entire um, band of shape-shifting ponies who were traveling up through Mexico. And they slaughtered all of them from the youngest child up to the oldest elder and uh, alpha of a predatory cat pack went after the militia and killed them. And the bigoted type of humans, they decided they wanted his head. And the war broke out shortly after that. So the first book, the timeline seems a little bit different if you're not me, which is everybody else who's read it, but me. But the the first book is set in the main timeline of the world. And that one's called A Prime's Passion. And it's rejected mates, uh, reunited lovers type of story. The second one in the series, which is the most recent, is A Dragon's Desire. They can all be read standalone. And that one is a dragon shapeshifter. I love him. He is an arrogant piece of work. And him and the heroine met back in the like the 1500s. He did not understand what she was. And because he didn't understand what she was... He did something that actually killed her. And she's reincarnated right at the start of the wars. And he recognizes her almost right off the bat. He didn't think she had ever come back. So he's just been lonely and maudlin since then. He's out flying one night in the new territory that he's claimed. He feels something. He recognizes that it's something new and it's calling to him. So he flies down to investigate. He takes one look at her and he's like, oh. <gasps> And that's kind of where the story, the bulk of the story starts. There's some of the backstory and everything, but I love the story. I had so much fun. So that and Blooded Blade are my most recent release and the one that's coming out next. Thanks for staying until the end and hope you enjoyed it.